God exists everywhere at once, unbound by time. Learn why He created us to be subject to time. For now, next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 says that God inhabits eternity. That means eternity is apart from uh, time. Where it says inhabits eternity, that word means to dwell fully, encompassing it. So God lives fully and, and inhabits eternity. That means that God has to control time. And if He has to control time, He obviously created it for man, created time for man. God inhabits eternity, not time, a certain amount of time. So why is that, and what does it mean for all of us? The angels were first created and were sent to this earth to administer the government of God, and one-third of them were here, and they rebelled against God. And You can read that in our book on the incredible human potential. And God had to send them into outer darkness, where they will live forever. We don't know of any other way that it could be described. But God knew from that time on that He had to recreate Himself in man. He knew that only God could rule the universe. Those angels who were created by fiat, well, they, they didn't do it. They failed. And so He says, okay, I've got to recreate Myself in man who will be subject to time. Now, God is not subject to that time, of course, but when the man dies, he just disappears forever. It's just like a candle going out, and that's it, if he rejects God's way of life. He just disappears. And that's good, because he doesn't have to continue living like the rebellious angels will have to do. God inhabits eternity, and that is apart from time. That's an amazing truth, as far as I'm concerned. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 reads this way. For thus says the Eternal and Lofty One that inhabits eternity. He inhabits eternity. Now, that is something that we need to ponder, because God wants us to be that way, where we don't have to worry about time. Notice 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26 says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, think about that. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death is our enemy. It's our last enemy to be destroyed. And we can kid ourselves that, it will, death is uh, our friend, but it isn't. It is our enemy, because we have to be ready to inhabit eternity if death is going to be our friend and not our enemy. But anyhow, we are subject to time. We're subject to time. 
If, if God inhabits eternity, well, He wants us to be that way. So we don't have to worry about time. Well, you just have so much time to do this, and, and we'll see if you have a future. That won't be the case anymore at all. But today we are subject to time. Notice what it says in verse 50 of this chapter. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. How many people know that? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You have to be changed. And neither does corruption inherit in corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. It's a mystery to the world, not to God's very elect. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. We don't have immortality. We have to put it on. That's what God says. You better look at these, uh, your immortal soul and, uh, and subjects like that very closely and know what it means. And if you have questions about that, well, we have material that will answer those questions. Verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. There's a great victory if we face death this way. Verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Now that's very exciting truth for all of us. So I want to talk to you today about man is subject to time. What does that mean, that man is subject to time? If you look back at uh, the example of Hezekiah and his reign, Assyria, the, the nation that is Germany today, was about to destroy Judah. And so Hezekiah prayed to God through uh, Isaiah. God just miraculously saved the nation. You can read that in Isaiah 37. But notice something really interesting here. Hezekiah, it says in chapter 38 and verse 1, here's a big problem that Hezekiah had to face, as well as the uh, Assyrians. In those days Hezekiah was sickened to death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came unto him and said unto him, Thus says the Eternal, Set your house in order, or you shall die and not live. So he was going to die through a sickness, and here's how Hezekiah responded. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Eternal, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, and how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. He just turned to God and prayed, and God answered that prayer. Notice verses 4 and 5. Then came the word of the Eternal to Isaiah, saying, Go, and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Eternal, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. You see, God does see our tears in case we don't know that, but He does if we're obedient to Him. Behold, I will add unto your days fifteen years. So God took note of His tears and added fifteen years to His life. Quite a blessing. 
Then verses 6 through 8, Then God performed another great miracle for Hezekiah. He said, I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city, and this shall be a sign unto you from the Eternal, that the Lord will do this thing that He has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down. <laughs> now the, that was just a reversing the rotation of the earth. Ten degrees. In other words, the sun had gone down, and he raised it back ten degrees where you could see it again. Now, he did that as a sign to Hezekiah and the Assyrians as well, that, that God controls time. He controls the universe. All of this is created for us today, or in the end it's been, is now given to us if we qualify to rule over the universe. And there's no reason why we should not. So God gives us this sign. That the actually the heavens and the sun just just had adjusted by ten degrees, and the sun came back up. And uh, what what does this tell you uh, when you think about God doing this to the universe, and and just, He's been able to control everything and not help the whole universe fall apart, and destroy the earth and and uh, mankind and whatever. But it shows that God controls time. He controls it. After all, He created it, and He certainly knows how to control it. That's just not really a big deal to God. But what a wonder and what a miracle that is to man! What a wonderful God we serve! Well, let me now go to Matthew 16 and verse 28, where it says, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. But we're going to see that that is in a vision. They didn't, he didn't come at that time. And then after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brings them up into a high mountain, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And then God says in verse 5, This is my beloved Son, so hear what He has to say. This is the Father talking about His Son, Christ. Then verse 9, And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision, it's a vision, see, to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And then verse 10 it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, Well, why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? There's a modern day Elijah in this end time. Who was that? We must know if we're going to understand these prophecies. We must know. Verse 11 And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah shall truly first come and restore all things. So before this magnificent second coming of Jesus Christ, and Elijah is going to come on the scene and restore all things. In other words, there just wasn't any real doctrinal system at all. He had to restore all things. 
The whole earth is deceived, and even God's church was for the most part deceived. That's how bad it was. And this is all happening just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so God gives a sign this, at this very time, just shortly before the second coming of Jesus Christ, that uh, He's going to send a modern-day or an end-time Elijah who's going to restore all things. In this time frame, this is what will happen. So we have to keep that in mind. Time, you see, this is controlled by God. Now let's go to Malachi 4 and verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And that's talking about even people losing their eternal lives. If they don't bring the family together and build the family, which is so broken down today and causes such suffering in our young people and everybody else. And God says, now, this is, this is what He's going to do, and you need to make sure you're doing that. And if you look around at our society, well, isn't it just the reverse of that? Isn't it the reverse of that? And so this man has come and gone, and, and we have proven that. It's our small book on uh, Malachi's message to God's church today will prove that to you. Also, uh, our book on raising the ruins will uh, show you that that is true. But here is this man that restored all things, all the fundamental truths of God, and uh, then he, he, he brought the family together. And, and built the family, which was a physical family, and focused their minds on the God family, which it is a type of. This physical family is a type of God's family. That's, it's a God-plane relationship. So is marriage. But who knows that today? A God-plane relationship. God is recreating Himself in man. What a wonderful calling. And oh, how that incredible human potential is that God has given us. So we now need to be conquering that last enemy, and that is uh, death. We need to be doing that now. But this man taught us a great lesson that I want to bring to you, just uh, some of it briefly, to you about the 19-year time cycle. And it's been used in God's work throughout the ages, and you can prove that from the Bible. This is a personal from the editor of Plain Truth magazine, and this is the issue of February 1972. And he said this later in a co-worker, Listen now to an astounding fact. God has set time running in cycles of 19 years. Just once in every 19 years, the days divided by the sun, the months, marked by the new moon, and the years divided by revolution of the earth around the sun, all come into conjunction. All come into conjunction. Now, we'll give you material that explains all this to you, and I'll just read as much as this as I can here, just a couple of paragraphs anyhow. 
But he, he said it took just one complete cycle of 19 years for this work to grow from nothing until it carried the very gospel of Jesus all over the North American continent in mighty power. That 19-year time cycle ended, and the second 19-year cycle began during the first week of the present year, 1953. This very start of the second 19-year cycle marked the beginning of proclaiming the gospel to all of Europe and the British Isles. It must still go to other countries, and he named those. But uh, well, I'll read you this paragraph. But incredible as it may sound, when later I checked with calendars, and he didn't plan this at all, you can uh, prove that too. That Wednesday was January 7, 1953. Nineteen years to the exact same day of the year I checked with the Hebrew calendar, January 7, 1934, was Sunday when his work began. Tebeth 20th, also January 7, 1953, was Wednesday, Tebeth 20, by the Hebrew calendar. So the door opened in Europe not only the first week in 1953, but on the exact same date, nineteen years to the very day. So you see, God has things planned by these 19-year time cycles, and He wants us to plan and organize because we're subject to time. We're subject to that. And He goes on to talk about the same thing was true, and you can prove it from Pentecost 31 A.D. to 50 A.D. The same thing happened anciently. You can see that in Acts 2. I don't have time to get into that. but. He said the early church was given 19 years for the first phase of its ministry when the door was opened to carry the gospel to Europe. The same to the precise day was true in our case, and that is fact. It's fact, he says. Of course it is. That is fact. And then when the third 19-year time cycle came, well, he, with nothing happened, and they did make some wrong, well, they speculated on some things that did not come to pass, but there was nothing significant in that third one. But in the fourth time cycle, going on, continuing this work, I want to read something to you. And from Malachi's message I wrote, this message of Malachi was first received by many people on the very day of the anniversary of H.W.A.'s death, Herbert W. Armstrong's death, January 16, 1986. We didn't plan it, but we were happy it happened that way. Already he, he has died, and yet he left us some very, some very important lessons. And I wrote the fourth 19-year time cycle of the work of the WCG ends in January 1991. That's the Worldwide Church of God under Herbert Armstrong. The same month as the anniversary of Herbert Armstrong's death. Will we see some dramatic event in the world or within God's Philadelphia and our Laodicean churches then? The world does not see the most important dimension of this, but the Persian Gulf War began on January 16, 1991. And I just suggested, well, will some great event occur on this fourth 19-year time cycle? And it did on January the 16th. And we have had just many, well, even before this time, we'd had some miracles occur on January the 16th. And I think that's very interesting because, you see, God has commissioned this church to proclaim this prophecy for the end time. And a lot of it started with the Persian Gulf War. Well, I'll just go on and skip some of this. I have a little too much information here, I think. 
I want to make sure that uh, I get this part across to you. Verse 26, I'll repeat this again. The last enemy that shall be destroyed, the last enemy that shall be destroyed. Death is our enemy. Now, God has made a way for every person on this earth who's ever lived to uh, get to know God. And many of them have never known God. Most of them have never known God, but they're going to be in a second resurrection, most of them. And they're going to have a chance to get to know God and see how God has sacrificed for them and given His only begotten Son that they might have eternal life where they can inhabit eternity and they will be no longer subject to time. Say, well, you have this much time and it's over. No more of that. There just isn't going to be any of that anymore. We are subject to time. And I think all of this is a very stirring truth to help us see how we can conquer our last enemy, death. It is our enemy. We have to do certain things and obey God in a certain way if we're ever going to be victorious over death. That is a truth of your Bible. We can't escape that. It is God's truth. Notice what it says in Ephesians 4 and verse 26. Ephesians 4 and verse 26. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, God is saying, all right, we have to do something. We have to do something to be victorious over death and destroy that enemy. Well, how do you hear God says, well, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So God says, okay, you have to control your wrath. You have to control your emotions. Don't even let the sun go down on your wrath. Because if you do, you're probably going to have a sleepless night and you're going to be waking up and you're not going to be sleeping like you should. But keep your emotions under control or you're going to have a lot of problems in life. But you, you really need to sleep at night and get a good sleep. And what a wonderful blessing that is to learn how we need that sleep and uh, and we don't want to lose control of our emotions. But we have so little time. And God says, now this is a big project. Nothing more important to anybody is we have to conquer this last enemy, death. And this is how we have to do it. We have to defeat our own carnal nature, which is hostile toward God. Romans 8 and verse 7. It is hostile toward God. And this world is not, should not even be as real as the coming world that's almost here. But notice in verse 27, this very important verse in Ephesians 4, a final scripture, Neither give place to the devil. God says that uh, you don't want to give place to the devil. He says over in Revelation 3 and verse 21 that we have to overcome as Jesus Christ overcame. We have to overcome the same way, and He conquered the devil. Read Matthew 4 and see how He did it. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and took on this titanic battle with Satan the devil, and He conquered him. 
He conquered him and, and uh, qualified to replace him on the throne of this earth, which he certainly does uh, preside over at this time. He has deceived the whole world, you see. But here God says, I'm going to give you power, power to overcome your enemy, the death. Peter said, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But you have to resist him. You have to stand up for God, and you have to work to overcome your character flaws and build the very character of God the Father. That is perfect character. That's what we're here to do. Now, that should be more real than this world is to you. And if we follow through on this, God's going to give us a, a character where we will inhabit eternity as well as God. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. God exists everywhere at once, unbound by time. Learn why He created us to be subject to time. God has lived for all eternity without a starting point. Time has no bearing on His existence. But when God deals with humans, He places high importance on specific dates and periods of time. We are subject to time, so God communicates with us in these relatable terms. Request Gerald Flurry's free book, Malachi's Message to God's Church today, to learn how God has performed astounding miracles for His loyal people on significant dates in this end time. Understand how God used the late Herbert W. Armstrong to restore all core biblical doctrines to God's church, including the proper emphasis on time. Prove that God is now causing key prophetic events to occur on the date of Mr. Armstrong's death, January 16th. Learn that God draws so much attention to this date to warn those who rebelled against Him after Mr. Armstrong died. Discover how God's focus on January 16th relates to Mr. Armstrong's focus on building families, which is connected to your incredible potential to join the God family. Your Bible describes death as the last enemy to be defeated. The world today is irrationally afraid of death because people don't realize that it's only temporary. The time is coming when humans may choose never to die again. Request our free booklet, Just What Do You Mean, Born Again, to challenge your preconceived notions about the false immortal soul doctrine. Deceptions about physical life and death abound, but you can know the truth. Understand how death can be simultaneously more final, yet less tragic than commonly supposed. Prove that the Bible speaks not of heaven and hell, but of death and resurrection. Learn why we are subject to time during this life, but not in the next. All our literature is available free of charge, at no cost or obligation to you. Request Malachi's Message to God's Church today, and Just What Do You Mean, Born Again. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 
All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request Malachi's Message to God's Church today and Just What Do You Mean? Born Again. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.